Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. I have a returning podcast guest. I love when my guests come back. It means they had so much fun and they want to talk to me more. Um, But I have Sierra Stockland here. And if you recall, we talked about how to manage inventory. And she is just a genius when it comes to managing all that type of stuff with like brick and mortar businesses. But she has a new book coming out that we wanted to talk about. And we also are going to talk a little bit about health and fitness and maybe some Ironman stuff as well, because that's what she's been up to since she has uh, been on the podcast previously. Um, and just to remind you who Sierra is, let me just give you a quick uh, rundown. So uh, she is an author, a speaker, and two-time Ironman, which I now think she's a three-time Ironman at the time of the podcast. And uh, she has owned and operated businesses since her early teens. Most recently, Sierra has launched the Inventory Genius, a coaching program for inventory-based business owners. She has twice had the opportunity to testify before two U.S. Senate committees regarding the joint employer standard for business for businesses and its effect on small businesses and franchises. Additionally, in 2015, she represented small businesses at a White House summit on worker voice and again in 2018 for a summit on economics. Sierra has been recognized as a small business champion through SCORE, and that's all caps, um, who has held a seat um, on the U.S. state's Chamber of Commerce, Small Business Council, and is a Profit First certified coach. Through her coaching program, Sarah strives to motivate business owners to build profitability and peace of mind into their business. In her free time, uh, she enjoys training for endurance races and most recently completed her second Ironman in Juneau, Alaska. And she currently resides in Tennessee with her husband, Jim, and great Pyrenees Bentley. Please welcome Sarah back to the podcast. Hey, how are you? I had to come back to to get asked again what my favorite cookie was. I, <laughs> like, gonna be, it's the same question. So, but I might have changed my mind. So, did you know, it? Did it change? Yeah. Well, it kind of depends. You know, I feel like at Christmas time, certain seasons, then you want like something more savory. But lately, I've just been loving Snickerdoodles. Ooh. So I don't know. Yeah, but if you get it, you have to get a good one. You know, soft one. I tried making them once. Never going to try again. Oh, it was awful. No, I just buy my snickerdoodles at a good bakery. So yeah, they have to be soft. Yeah. And have that little bit of tang. There's like a tang to a snickerdoodle, like that little zing, you know? Yeah. You have to have that. Yeah. I think that's so you run Ironmans. Are you, do you not partake? Oh, I eat all the cookies. That's the best part of doing Ironman is it's all the carbs because Yeah. All the time. You, you burn so many calories because at the height of training, I'll be training like 16 to 20 hours a week. So there's no carb that's off limits. Like you just are eating all the food. So yeah. I want to know one, I want to know a couple of things before we jump into your business stuff, because I find it fascinating with this long distance running thing. I used to play soccer. And so I didn't realize how much I was running all the time. Cause I played yeah. mainly offense, but I would play, um, outside mid, which you just 
you don't stop running. You just run and back and forth, especially up yeah. and back. Right. So I don't even know what kind of distance I could do, but running, like just like running just was terrible. Hated it. Yeah. And when I was older, I started getting like, I wanted to run five miles under an hour, which I was able to hit after my back surgeries. And now it's super hot in Texas. So running, this is not, you know, attractive here. So were you always a long distance runner? And what, when you're saying you train 16 to 20 hours, do you have a trainer to help you or did you start with one at least? Yeah. So, um, I've not always been a runner actually. I didn't do any sports in high school at okay. all. So I was always music theater, like on the art side of things. And then my friend, when I had two little kids, my kids were little, like probably one and three, two and four, something like that. She was single and she's like, we should run. <laughs> I was like, you have time. I do not. Right. Um, but she always be like, let's just go for a run. So I started and I literally could not run down the block. Like I was like, this is the dumbest thing. I can't breathe. This is not, why would I do this? But then I started just signing up and doing little races with her and some other friends. And then I got into sprint triathlon and I have a pretty short attention span. So I love sprint cause it's short and I like triathlon because I can like change it up. So change it's it not up. just running all the time. And then, um, I was, I was like, I'll never do anything long. My husband signed up for his first Ironman. I cheered him on. I'm like, you're crazy. He would sit on the bike for six hours on Sunday morning. Like, like who on earth would ever do that? Remind me what an Ironman is and what it is, like how, how long yeah. I have friends that do it. I follow them on social media and I'm like, you nuts. It's, it's I don't so know how much. long it is. Yeah. And actually my last one, I have done three now. My third one was in Houston. It was okay. very hot. Like, you oh, said. did you just run the, the woodlands? The woodlands. So my, yeah. my friends are avid and they were there as well. Yeah. Oh, that's that back funny. in April. Yeah. 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 Yep. April 22nd. Yeah. It was a so week we for our 20th high school reunion. And I was talking to my close friends cause they're married. And I was like, are you going to go? And they're like, it all depends on the Ironman yeah. uh, the weekend before. And so they were at that one as well. That's too funny. Yeah. So we swim 2.2.2.4 miles. And then we run, or excuse me, then we bike 112. And then we run a full marathon and you have to do it in under 17 hours. So, and then you get what metal trophy. (laughs) That's so funny, right? Then you get a t-shirt and a hat and a metal, it's a very expensive hat t-shirt and metal. It's 17 (laughs) hours. So yeah, you have to complete in 17 hours. Yeah. So my time was 12, um, a little, and then my husband did his, and I think he was 14. Like, oh, right that right. Did you run so. at the same time or they do? Yeah. So he, so he's not a runner. He hates, hates, hates the running, but he's really good at swimming and biking. So he does really well at that. And then he just survives the run. So he runs, walks, whatever he has to do. And it was fun this year because we went with someone that we knew, which we've never done before. And so he and his friend ended up just walking a lot of the marathon together and really enjoyed their time. And I think that's what it's all about. Like for me, I want to compete, but he, he always says he wants to just complete it. And so if that's what he likes to do, that's great. So he just walked around it. They finished together. It was really awesome. They had a fun time. You have some bragging rights that you, that you, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Competitive. So you have to a little bit all the way. Yes. For all three of them (laughs) faster times. So yeah. And we're competing this. Saturday we'll be in Hawaii doing a 70.3. So a half, which is just half of all the distances. Um, I have to beat him there too, but our daughter, she's 18. 
So you can start when you're 18. She'll be showing up and participating with us on Saturday and she's going to get the bragging rights. There's no way I'll beat her. So wow. she's pretty strong and so young. <laughs> when you try, when you train or let's say someone's listening and they're thinking about Ironman, where do you even start? Yeah. So for me, like I said, I was like, you're crazy. I'll never do. I just have no interest. I don't want to, that's too much training. But then I went to his event and I was like, you know what? I could do this. Like when I looked at every, I mean, there's people that are 80 years old. It's nuts, but they're doing it all ages, all shapes, all sizes, every, all demographics. I was like, maybe I should do this. It would really challenge me and push me. So that's why I signed up for my first one. But the first thing I did when I signed up, I did two things. First thing I did was hire a coach. Cause I was like, I have no idea how to train for this. This is not like, let's just go out and run 30 minutes. And I hired an, a nutritionist too. Because I had no idea, what do you eat? How do you like fuel? And they always say like fueling is really the fourth sport of Ironman. Like you have to fuel properly or you won't make it. Right. Your your body you needs so it. Fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we burn over 4,000 calories that day. Do you, so. do you snack during? Like, do you refuel like while you're running? Do you like? Yep, biking. Yeah. Biking for sure, because that's where you can get a lot of fuel in. So I do a lot of liquid nutrition and then some like cliff blocks and stuff. And then the running, you fuel, but you're definitely always in a deficit. It's just harder to fuel when you run and you don't yeah. like you just can't put as much in your can't stomach when you're jostling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you try to really get it down during the bike. That's when you okay. try to catch up a bit. So so when you started training, do they, what do they focus on the first one swimming? Do they weakest, weakest part or your strongest? All of, all of them. So you just alternate. So like yesterday, well, now I'm in taper, which means I'm slowing down a bit this week just to rest my body before the race. But so like yesterday, I just had a run today. I have a bike and a swim tomorrow. I'll just how have long a run. You don't do the full, you don't do the full. No, no, now. no, no. So the most you'd ever do before an Ironman would be I did an 18 mile run was my longest run. You do do the full 112 bike multiple times. You'll do that. So, and that's lonely. I mean, that's six plus hours on a bike by yourself. An all terrain or is it yep. just road? Yep. Just road. So here in Tennessee, it's pretty hilly, which is great. I mean, it's great training and hilly and hot. It's hard, but that's really good training because then you can go wherever. And then sometimes we'll we'll be on our trainers. If the weather's bad, we can bring our bikes inside and hook them up to our trainer. And but I mean, then you just ride and watch TV or listen to podcasts for six hours. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I hate treadmill running. So I will go outside in the rain, the cold, anything to avoid the oh, treadmill. Oh, see, I love treadmill running. Can't stand it. Nope. I don't know why. I it think it's also crazy. because the pavement on my joints hurt. It is harder. Yeah. The Yep. That is annoying. <laughs> I know it's constant. You just keep going. No, I, it goes by so much quicker for me when I'm outside. So I try to always run outside if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever take your great Pyrenees? Mm, he would last like Two 15 seconds. minutes. <laughs> He'd be so like, this is not for me. No, thank okay. you. Yeah. So when do you find, so does your husband work? Yep. So he um, has a corporate job and he works from home and travels a ton. So he'll like, um, they have an office in Wisconsin, so he'll take his bike there and set it up if he's there for the week and he'll ride and train there. It's hard to train when you travel. Yeah. So he really has to work. I mean, that's tough. You're in hotels and you're trying to find a pool. And so that's hard. He said he's officially retired from fulls now, just because okay. the training is so 
much and he doesn't like the run at all. So he said he's going to stick with halves, which is a lot less time. I mean, the time commitment for full training is like a part-time job. Does your trainer help him too? No, no. My trainer or my coach is um, the coach for Bella and I, and then he has a coach that works specifically with bikers, which is what Jim loves doing is biking. So do they have to be like, I mean, it's now the days of like virtual. Do they have to be local? Nope. Our um, coach is in California and we're in Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, we've only ever go to the races and watch you. No, um, no, unless she's already going. So Kona, if you qualify, so you have to qualify to get to Kona. She always goes to that one. Cause there's a lot of her clients that make it. And so I she'll go, go to too, that one. It's but Hawaii. I, mean, I know. Right. Sorry. Gotta yeah, write it sign off. Me up. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, but no, we, um, she just loads everything into an app for us and our workouts. And then we communicate with her every day. So I've learned a lot actually about my own coaching practice in the way that she coaches us. There's some things I really love about how she communicates and checks in and, um, some things that aren't practical for business coaching, but like she puts our workouts in. And then after we do our workout every day, we have to write notes. So she wants to know, how did you feel? What was good? What was bad? And she responds to those notes every day. Um, so really stays in touch with us, even though it's all virtual. She does a good job. Yeah. So you, how do you now apply this with, I mean, I think that athletics and business and sales and all that are very, very tight. Like they're very parallel because it's just a lot of athletes go into sales just because they're competitive, they're motivated. They don't need much to, you know, get it going. So how do you now like implement all of this success and your training and your commitment to, um, like you've just wrote a book about, um, so let's talk how we implement that. Yeah. So it was one thing too, in deciding to do my first Ironman, I thought this would be a really great case study, I guess, for my coaching clients, like to really show people you literally can do whatever you put your mind to. If you have the right people on your team, if you have the right equipment, like that's the other thing I did buy good shoes, buy a good bike. You know, I'm not going to sit on a bike for hours and hours and hours when it doesn't fit me. And it's just, you know, like, and we do that in business too, right? We commit to opening and starting this business. And then we like, well, I don't want to pay for education. I'm going to DIY it. Like I literally could have Googled Ironman to couch or coach to Ironman plan. I'm sure they're out there. Right. But I don't know what I'm doing. Why wouldn't I hire someone skip to the front of the line, avoid some of the mistakes. It's still going to be really hard. Just like business. Even if you have a coach, it's still hard. You have to do the work, but why do we skimp on those things? So Mm -hmm. I think that was that was a really good application that I'm able to talk through with my clients. And then also the time management piece of it when you, and I've encouraged my clients to find something athletic to do. I don't care if you're 50, 45, you have little kids, like run a 5k, walk a 5k, sign up for a half marathon, do something because it, you have to stay disciplined with your time. And that follows through in your business. Yeah. It gives purpose. Yeah. If you're not working, like some people will work out to fit in their pants or look good for summer. But if you have like something that you're working towards, it gives the workout purpose. Yeah. And some people you have need, a goal Yeah, and then you feel accomplished and that those things that we can do with our brain trickle down into other parts of our life too. Like I remember after my first Ironman, I was so proud of myself 
for learning about nutrition, following my plan, finishing when it was hard. And that didn't just stop with the Ironman. Like that feeling of worth trickles into my work and the pride I take there, right? Like, and my family and being a good wife, like all of that, it all works together because we're mind and body and soul, like all one. So I think anytime we can challenge ourselves, it's just a good thing. Absolutely. So what is your book about and um, it, does it still tie into the coaching for the inventory side of things that you were? Yeah. Yeah. So it's called inventory genius. Um, because I really believe we can all be a genius in our own business. Um, a lot of times we feel like we can never be the expert. I can never learn the things. I'm just not good at that. I'll have someone else do it, you know, or I'll ignore it. And so I really want to encourage, um, small business owners that have inventory that you can learn your numbers and you can be smart when it comes to your business and your numbers. So it's all about inventory, how the inventory works within our financials, cash flow. You know, if inventory based business owners, a lot of times they find that they're out of money, they're out of cash. Like I have all these sales, but I I never have any money. I just talked to someone yesterday and she said that exact same thing. You know, I'm, I'm making a lot but I just don't, where's it going? I don't understand where it's going. And so the book shows you how inventory is directly tied to cash flow. And if you can learn to manage your inventory properly, the cash flow looks a lot different. Right. It's almost like an Ironman fueling and reserve. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go into it empty, you know, with an empty tank of gas, you're not going to get far. So and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some fear there when you deal with clients that have inventory where they're nervous to purchase or, you know, have all of it on hand with fear that they won't offload it. Yeah. Or they go the other extreme and they just buy whatever, whatever, you know, like, Oh, I have money. I'll just buy stuff. I like that. I like that. So it's, it's either extreme. Most often it's the extreme of overbuying with no purpose. And, you know, same thing, like, yeah, you can't, you have to fuel, but you need to know how many calories, what works with your stomach, all those things. Like you can't just eat random food. I learned that on my first Ironman Gatorade, not my friend. Um, and I drank a bunch of Gatorade and got super sick, even though I was like, well, it's Gatorade, but I hadn't trained with it. And so the same thing, you know, in our business, like understanding our strengths, our weaknesses, we can't just buy. And we also can't just hoard. Like we have to have a purpose and feel like our inventory. I always tell my clients, your inventory is your secret weapon to cash. So you have to learn how to manage it properly. Which I'm sure, I mean, that's just an art in itself, um, especially if you have like, like you said, but you deal with brick and mortars that have inventory, like shops and things that, you, yeah. need that, you know, not um, digital inventory, which is not hard. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit different. There's margin with this, there's cost. And you have to right. treat it like cash on hangers, cash in boxes. You can't hoard it. It's not going to age well. If it didn't sell last year, it's not going to sell if you hold on to it for three more months. Like, let's get rid of it turn it into cash again, make better decisions, have some budget, some guidelines. So that's what we worked through in the book. Here's a question about the book then with the inventory. Did you purchase hard copy books to try and offload? Or are you just like, how, how are you dealing with that kind of inventory? Yeah, um, that's a know, great question. Nobody's <laughs> asked me. Yeah. Cause I vowed, I'm like, <laughs> I have touched hundreds of thousands of units of inventory in my life. I am never having inventory again. I will help other people. Um, so am I self-published and Amazon, you can print on demand now. So that's what I'm doing is I'm printing on demand. And then I did buy, I have a little box over there with, I think I bought 50 
um, because I love to hand them out. So I travel a lot and I just always have some in my bag just to hand out because you'll go into a boutique or you'll go into a salon or, you know, a, a cafe or something like I feel like that's the owner, you know, you can always tell an owner. And so I love to just give them out. So I have some here. Um, but that's the beauty of the modern age. I didn't have to buy thousands of them and have pallets sitting in my garage and I can just let, send people to Amazon. They can buy it. Amazon prints it and sends it right to them. So I don't have to worry about shipping or anything. That's great. And and I took a book writing class and stuff. And I think the biggest, um, like thing about books is you won't make a lot of money off books. No, like, no, it's not a money maker for me. You're not going to make money unless you are like, what's her name? Harry Potter, the, the, right. Yes. Big, big, and, and she's making few and far between. deals yeah. and copyright, right. All the rights, selling the rights and licensing and everything. That's how she's making her money. She's not making yeah. it on uh, everyone buying, you know, book four, you yeah. know, <laughs> but when you make a book, it's more like marketing material. Yeah. It's, you have to use it as almost like a very thick flat, like flyer or pamphlet. Yeah. And you give them out and you sign them. And that's like your, your, you know, your swag. Yes. So to speak in, in yes. salesman terms, because people will think that oh, I'm going to, I'm going to sell all these books. It's like, you're not going to sell. And, and it's more for, you know, and book writing is expensive. Like, even though it's print on demand, I had to hire an editor, you know, it, it's expensive. It takes a lot of time to write it. And then I pay Amazon, you know, every time I sell one. So no, it's definitely yep. not a money-making gig, but it's a great way for me to get my brand in front of people, like going into a boutique and saying, here you go. You know, it's much easier to give them something like that than to hand out business cards or something. So well, yeah, it also gives you great, great um, the word that I'm looking for is that it gives you clout. Yeah. It gives you, um, why am I like working? legitimizes. Yeah. It, it, it just, it gives you it makes you look more expert. Um, I contributed to a book and I wrote a chapter uh-huh. and that was time consuming enough for me. Like yeah. the help did all the things and they are promoting it and they're doing the thing and they're like, Oh, you'll get profits back. And I'm like, no, I will never see a dime from yeah. any of those things, which is fine. It gets my name out. It has my picture on it. it. It It's one of those things that they're promoting it for you. And it's just a way for you to also, you know, show that you like, well, I have this book and you can go pick this up. And I talk about X, Y, Z. It's just another way of you promoting. So yeah, I think there's a big thing about like when people promote books, it's, it's a, it's a really nice uh, marketing tool. Yeah. And it was nice for me to memorialize my method because I've used the inventory genius method with hundreds and hundreds of inventory based business owners now. And so for me to put it in a condensed version where someone can pick it up and they can take away some bite-sized actionable steps. And my book is, it's not super thick because everything I do, I'm like, we have so much time and don't only have so much time. So you can read it in about two hours or you can listen. There's an audible version. Um, So they can listen or read it two hours, bite-sized actionable steps. They get my method. They can take it and apply it. Or if they're like, Hey, I want more help then they can connect with me, you know, to get more help and more tools and resources. And so. take your course. Yeah. I mean, that's really, when you write a book about your method, you're not giving them all of it. You're giving them yeah. like the nice, like bite-sized, like here's you said, the overview, yeah. a hint yeah. of it. And if you Practical need more, you're going to come you and you're going to pay for the course. You're going to come help me because why on earth would I give, you know, it, it and you just can't teach it in, in a book. It's better when you have someone teaching it. So it's just like an yeah. intro. 
Yeah. I mean, it'd be the same thing like with my Iron Man. Like I, if my coach would have written a book, I could have bought her book and still tried to figure it out on my own. Or I can just hire her, <laughs> you know, and be like, well, I read the book. So I have an idea of what you do in your method. Now I would like you to write my workouts for me. Look at how I did. Give me feedback you know, tweak them when you need that. If I have an injury, like, right. So then you hire the expert to tailor the method. Right. And yeah, I mean, and there are some people who DIY everything and that's okay too. If that's what you decide to do. I just feel like DIYing, we try to save a lot of money DIYing, but it usually costs us a lot from all the mistakes we make. And I say that from experience. Yep. And I always tell people when we would, when I would coach, for like when they're starting businesses or starting just like getting their systems, it's like spend the money to get it set up the right way. Because what's going to happen is you're going to need them and then you're going to scramble and then you're going to lose money and have all those growing pains, putting it into place, not knowing what they're doing until like, yeah, it doesn't make, you know, you put, you know, don't put the horse before the cart. Yeah. The the horse. So it's like, get set up, get ready. Because if you're starting a business and you, um, you're, your goal is to succeed. Your goal is to make money and make it successful. So why wouldn't you put everything into place saying, well, I am going to make it work yeah. instead of, I don't know if it's going to, cause that already kind of puts it in your psyche that you might not do very well. And that really does reflect on what, you know, the path of creating a business too. So yeah, you're like investing all this money, like, yep, I did it. It's going to work. And you don't make it work. You don't ever make yeah. it, it'll be there. You know, there is something to that too. I listened to a podcast Um, another gal, she coaches coaches. And I really like her podcast because it's a lot of mindset. And she was talking about how, when she goes in, she's also coached, right? Because we should all be learning and growing. And she said, when she signs up for a program, she always expects an ROI. Like she never goes into something thinking, oh, I wonder if I'll get my money's worth. No, I invested. I will get my, oh, in fact, I'm going to make money on it, you know? And she said, it's all about that mindset. So she shows up for every call. She does all the work and she just assumes from day one, she's going to get a return on her investment. And so there's something to that too. When you invest, when you exchange dollars for something, it changes your mindset versus, oh, you know, I'm just going to listen to this or I'll just pick up another, I'll just call and ask a friend, but then I don't really need to listen to them. No, if I'm paying for advice, I'm going to show up and use it. So there's something that it, that does for us as well. Absolutely. Just like if you pay for an Ironman, you better yeah, go sure. up and do something because you're paying yeah. for the coaching, you're paying for all this guidance and then you sign up for it and you can't be like, eh. yeah, which happened in Alaska. So Alaska was my second one. And about five weeks in a uh, five weeks ahead of the race, I got injured and I could not even walk. So I was off the bike off run. The only thing I could do was swim, but I couldn't push off the wall and I could only swim for weeks ahead of time, which was really frustrating because I had a massive goal to beat my previous time and just all these things I've been training, but I thought I'm not going to not show up. Like it would be a great excuse to be like, I can't, so I'm just not going to do it. It's like, I paid for this registration. So I thought, you know, and in my mind, I kept thinking, I'm going to take a break. And you know, when I get there, I'm going to run, I'm going to run. So I did the swim, the bike went great. It was really hard because I didn't realize Alaska's not like Houston, Texas. So my first one was in Houston, flat as could be. Then I went to Alaska, not flat. Altitude is different. Yes. And freezing cold, 50 degrees, rained all day, like completely different. So it was muddy. 
we swam, they cut the swim in half because yeah. the water was 50 degrees. It was so okay. cold. It was dangerous. So, and then it rained all day. So we got out. I never warmed up. I was, my feet were frozen. So it was a whole mm-hmm. different thing. Got off my bike, started running. Cause I thought I just had told myself like, you're just going to be with Nope. Got off. Couldn't run. I had to walk the entire marathon walk the whole thing. And so I'm walking and thinking, okay, I have an option. I'm going to do it. Cause I'm not going to not finish. I showed up. I'm going to finish. I can finish with a good attitude and just enjoy the day and see what blessings come out of having to do this. Or I can be grumpy for the entire six and a half hours. I'm still going to have to walk it. So I might as well change my attitude, right? you know? And so that was a really good lesson too. And like, sometimes we do all the work and we do that in our business too. We do the right work and sometimes things just don't go our way. So what do we do with that? Do we give up? Do we complain? Do we grow bitter? Or do we say like, okay, well, what can I learn? And what can I control, you know, and that's a good, good lesson to learn too. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So where can we find your book? Do you have, um, an account that we're able to follow you? Like when you go to Hawaii? Yeah, yeah, you can. So, um, Instagram is a great way to follow me. Sierra Stockland is my handle at Sierra Stockland, um, website, sierrastockland.com. And you can buy my book there, or you can buy it on Amazon amazing. And I really appreciate you being back. And this was a really fun, different conversation than we had the last time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. And if anyone's uh, interested in what we spoke about before, go check out our previous episode with Sierra and um, please go check out uh, her links. It's in the show notes, go grab her book. You know, maybe we could turn that profit ability around and maybe we can make some money for the book and then follow uh, followers well through her, her journey to um, Hawaii. And uh, again, thank you so much for being here. Thanks. And and, uh, good luck in Hawaii. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Absolutely. And thank you again for listening to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Uh, Everything's in the show notes. Don't forget to rate and review, share with your friends, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.